This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest bump. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. Fight. on weei.com. Well, we podcast. Uh, not too much going on in the Patriots world, but there's a few little things percolating that I think we'll uh, touch on. Oh, is this where you want me to touch on what we're going to touch on? Yeah, I wanted to figure. I wanted to gauge where you wanted to start. Okay, so do we want to start sexy or boring? Uh, let's get the boring stuff out of the way. Okay, boring. Patriots and most NFL teams will report for training camp on July 28th. Yeah. Uh, they, because of the new – or I should say tentatively, I guess. I in this say, you, have to, you have to put something in there. Right. Tentatively, um, the new CBA, which I'm not going to pretend I've read, apparently has streamlined the reporting process. So all teams report 47 or 48 days before their season opener. Yep. Um, so 30 of the 32 teams, all the Sunday, Monday openers report July 28th and the chiefs Texans report four days earlier. I think it's the right. 24th uh, because they obviously have the Thursday night opener. Um, but sort of using that as the talking point, there's also a lot of talk of really altering the whole preseason, maybe dropping to two preseason games because in light of the uncertainty with the coronavirus and how, you know, in shape people are going to be. And like, maybe that's not enough ramp up time to the first preseason game that they could just cut two preseason games and have a slower um, week to week um, build up, build up, I guess. Yeah. To a couple preseason games, which I, I think probably makes sense in terms of health and minor injuries and, and even guys who, haven't had a chance to be there in person and practice, right. you know, the acclimation process. But I would also say, I think that could lead to some ugly early season football. If you only have two preseason games and, you know, the first week of training camp is completely non-contact or maybe not even on field, right. it's all classroom. Like, I think that could be a really um, 
that could really affect the first couple weeks. Yeah, you, the, you know the old Patriot thing, the excuse that, oh, September is an extension of the preseason? Yeah. Now it really will be an extension of the preseason for all 32 teams. So um, tackling and precision offense. And I, I will say the good news is for a team like the Patriots, it does give you and Jarrett Stidham a built-in excuse i mean yeah well, a- i was to use the flip side it's it's a negative because you don't have time on you know those preseason games which jared said needs probably more than most nfl quarterbacks so you could look at the flip side that he would hurt it he would be hurt by it but to your point you could use that as an excuse okay so i can i'm gonna say that on monday September 14th, yep. you and I can write dueling reactionary columns of why Jarrett Stidham fell on his face in the season opener. You'll say, it, you know, he didn't have time, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, relax. Like, it's it's a different year. It's going to take time. He's not the only one. Yep. Okay, so Mr. Positive Me, Mr. Negative You will write dueling columns on September 14th after well, the crap. Well, if they, if they win the game against the Dolphins, then it'll be all positive. No, it won't. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the touchdown twin circle or in the circle of people led by Christian Fourier and Mike Reese that are telling me the Patriots are a better team without Tom Brady. Yeah, true. Yeah, maybe in that crew where it's, you know, the propaganda machine is full speed ahead and grinding through anybody who might, I don't know, have an objective viewpoint. Between Fitzy telling me they're a more talented, better team than they were that ended last year, and now Fourier and Reese and whoever else wants to jump on the bandwagon tell me they're a better team without Tom Brady. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. I, I really I mean, don't. Like, can you? Can, I can make a case that certain players are better without Brady. Like I did that before with Harry and Myers. The young receivers, sure. Yes. Is the team better? Absolutely not. Because from what I didn't listen to Christian, I read uh, boss man Rob Bradford's post on wei.com, and like it basically is a good thing that Jared Stidham's going to throw interceptions. That he's going to take chances and throw interceptions. Yeah, I didn't really buy that. I mean, Reese's take was it was more like a 2001 like offense and using the running backs more um which is good for them because of the depth that they have at the position which a lot of people now are saying is the best position group in all of football Shane Vereen added that today in addition to the Mike best position group in all of football yep what the hell are we talking about that's what Mike Tannenbaum said on uh OMF a couple weeks ago Who's the lead running back Sony Michelle I guess okay is he is he good uh he's average Maybe. Right. Last year, his 3.7 yards per carry was below average. They have a bunch of average to above average players, but people look at it at the depth and say that, you know, Rex Burkhead could be the lead guy on any other team, and Damon Harris would start if, you know, they didn't have so many guys ahead of him. Yeah, I know. You're, you're rolling your eyes, but I, mean, I, I can see where people are coming from with it, but I, I just don't see it. There's a lot of depth. There's right. no question. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of potential talent but all of them except for James White as a pass catcher to me he gets to me he's beyond criticism as a pass catcher he's one of the best pass catching running backs in the game everything else has questions criticisms uncertainties for all we know Damian Harris sucks and that's why he didn't play last year right I'm not saying he does because I have no idea I didn't see enough of him at ever whether preseason, whatever, to say he sucks or doesn't suck. Right. But maybe Bill Belichick has said, this guy stinks. This was a terrible pick. We'll keep him for a little bit, and then we're cut. I don't know. But he has questions. Sony Michelle, we have seen the questions. He's a run-of-the-mill guy who doesn't get whatever. And um, Rex Burkhead just says – Rex Burkhead is versatile and good, but he gets hurt every time you try to lean on him. Right. Like, he's never been the guy for anybody. And, oh, by the way, they also lost their fullback from their greatest successes running the ball. No, I'm, I'm being serious. Like – 
So that's no, part I, of that room, isn't it? Yes, I, yes, you're, you're right. I know Dan Vitale is a super back, but we'll see if he's any good. I don't know if he's any good. What about Dalton Keene? Maybe Dalton Keene certainly has, has plenty of his own questions. Well, suddenly, suddenly mid-round tight ends and jack-of-all-trades are like locks to be these great contributors. I don't see it that way. I'm sorry. Well, you could also go to the offensive line. Questions there, too. I mean, could it be great? Sure. But could it fall on its face? Sure. Yeah, I think the offensive line has, in theory, could be one of the better offensive lines in football. Like, they have the resume, the talent, the paychecks, the potential. But they have to prove that they can do it without their – It's also a question of, is Dave Andrews healthy? Is Isaiah Wynn a a first-round caliber offensive lineman? Is Marcus Cannon playing to his capabilities? Is Joe Tooney the same thing and Shaq Mason? Like, there are not – Real like locks there. I mean, Tooney and Mason might be, but they weren't great, great last year. No, but I don't. I don't think it's a stretch to say Tooney, Andrews, Mason, Cannon, when they play at their best, are Pro Bowl caliber players. Yeah. Okay, so that could be a really good group. Now, my whole theory on this: the ifs never all go positive. If you have all these right. questions, like half go negative, half go positive, and then you figure it out in the middle, and that'll probably happen. Like. If Joe Tooney's better and lives up to his contract, then, you know, Marcus Cannon will probably suck. I find it hard to believe they're all going to be perfectly healthy. Right. So we'll see. But just getting back to the, the running backs and the Dalton Keens and the fullbacks and all, like they have a bunch of decent bodies, but they don't have the guy anyway. Like Dalton Keene's a perfect example. I think Dalton Keene, if he arrived with like Gronk as the lead tight end, and, a, you know, Sony Michelle was a little better. I think he'd be a Patriot star. Like, a, a, like, people would love him, jack of all trades, do all this dirty work. They need people that don't do dirty work. They need people that do legit carry the offense. Things, yeah. Like, you can't have all complimentary players. Somebody has to be the man that everybody compliments, right. right? They don't have – I guess the only guy you could really say is that is Edelman, and there are questions with him too. Right. So that's my point. And – to say that, you know, to get back to the Brady thing, that him throwing the ball away or, like, he was still yeah. a solid player. Reese used that thing, too. He said Brady led the league in throwaways. Right. So, but, like, so, but to your point, I guess, that is that inferring that turnovers are now good? Like, well, still- I can tell you a year ago, Brady leading the league in throwaways, avoiding interceptions and sacks was what Josh McDaniels raved about, Right. Right. So now that was bad and we want a gunslinger. Then if that's the case, why didn't they sign Jameis Winston for a million bucks? Right. If interceptions were suddenly good, then bring Jameis Winston because yeah. I know he'll throw the ball. If taking chances down the field is good, what, why, why isn't he the starting quarterback? They should have given Jameis Winston a five-year, $100 million contract if that's what yeah. they're looking for, right? Yeah. No, yeah. So the logic behind that is I'm not saying it can't work out. I'm not saying – there might be little individual boosts, even morale boosts. You, you know, you mentioned 2001 comparisons. One of the big talking points when Drew went down and Tom took over was everybody else said, I have to do more. We have to do right. more. You know, we got to win as a team. We can't lean on Drew to get us out of trouble or stand in the pocket and sling it down the field. Maybe that mentality takes over for everybody and you get some incremental boost from everybody who feels like we can't rely on Tom to carry us. Well, I get that sense too. Like there are times in the recent training camps, I remember 
basically like the day's work was based on Brady's morale and how much he wanted to put into it. Like I think the team fed off Brady. Like if right. Brady was, was down for a day and it kind of was like, oh, I'm going to take it easy today. The rest of the team followed in line. But if Brady had, you know, a good, good attitude, I'm going to, you know, give it my all today. The rest of the team falls. And I think that, that could be the same thing where everybody looks as there's no guy to look to and everybody's there for themselves to be the best they can be. That that could be a good thing. Right. Or, you know, the, the comparison I just thought of is like a car or a boat. Like, you know, I had a, 35 foot center console with three brand new Yamaha 350s on the back and we zipped around. But now, you know what, I've decided this 13 foot Boston Whaler with a 30 horse engine, it's, it's better. It, it's really better for me. And I validate all these reasons. It may be true. Maybe it, yeah, it goes in shallow water better. It doesn't burn as much gas. It's cheaper. Right. But I'm still going to miss going, you know, 80 miles an hour across the ocean in my, you know, boat. Right. like, don't tell me that it's just lipstick, it's window, whatever you call the cliche. Yep. I just, yep. It annoys me. I, it feels like propaganda to me. It really does. And Christian, I'll be honest, like Christian's not generally a propagandist for no. the Patriots. So he may honestly believe it, or maybe he's trying to fall in line. I, I don't know, but I don't know. We'll see. But it, it's a good talking point for this time where there's nothing going on. I just yeah. don't agree with it. Uh, the other, I guess, sexier topic is the uh, like quarterback situations. Colin Kaepernick's name's back in the mix, um, which, again, I, I just don't understand why everybody has to connect him to the Patriots. They they clearly showed that they like Jared Stidham, and so bringing Colin Kaepernick wouldn't make any sense at all. But people in the league circles still bring it up, and so we have to talk about it. You're right. circles, political circles. Freaking Joe Kennedy is, says the Patriots need to do it. Right. Talk about pandering and propaganda and whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I'll be writing a column for Friday morning at WEEI.com, but we'll uh, give you a little teaser here. I think you can respond to the idiocy and the idiotic idea of the Patriots signing Colin Kaepernick with two words, Cam Newton. If they were prone to sign a Super Bowl losing athletic black quarterback who's out of the league and available, the best option is Cam Newton. Right. Right? No, oh, yeah. So like, he's not even the best option in that way. You'd only like, I know a lot of players, uh, Carlos Hyde, you know, have said flat out, if the NFL wants to take the next step beyond the Goodell video, it's sign Colin Kaepernick. And that may be true. I don't know. Like in sure, those, but the, but the Patriots aren't the, aren't the, the option. No. no. And, and I'm not saying I know who the option is. Like I've seen, um, yeah, uh, throughout yeah, Baltimore. Ravens, yeah. And that's fine. Whatever. Uh, Seattle, um, was interested back in the day or whatever. Right. And, you know, I guess one thing that would potentially lead you toward Kaepernick could make sense is if the Patriots are going to a more college-like RPO spread right. offense. But, but Cam Newton does the same thing. I'd take Cam Newton. And the other thing that I also agree with that would eliminate Newton and Kaepernick, and we talked with Mike Giardi um, on Dale and Keith last week about this, is if you bring in Colin Kaepernick, you immediately have a guy that some people might be thinking, well, he should start for us. Forget right. Stidham. You know, he took a team to a Super Bowl and to an NFC title game. And maybe it's even racial. Like you get a, a core of players that say, no, 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 not only did you sign him, now you need to start him over this right. guy. Fourth round pick, he stinks, blah, blah, whatever you want to say. So, you, you know, beyond the usual, because I do think the Patriots are fine to, and, and, every team is more suited now than ever to deal with the Kaepernick thing. Cause yeah, no, no fans at training camp, no media access, right. regular 
ultimately, and the Patriots could handle that, but internally, I don't think it's the best thing for the football team on a football level. That's Cam Newton. And on a Jarrett Stidham development level to bring in a guy that's, you know, a Pied Piper that people might want to follow and, and call for, it, it just, it makes no sense. And it reeks of just simple oh, political, social pandering. Just go through all the guys that they passed on this offseason. Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, a, a draft pick. Like they had so many chances to yep. add another quarterback. So why all of a sudden is Colin Kaepernick the guy when all those other guys are probably better than Kaepernick, especially one that's still available right now in Newton? Because it's pandering and politics and, you know, Belichick and maybe the, the idea that Kraft can sometimes be prone to sort of PR savvy moves and those types of, I, I don't know. It just, it makes no sense to me, but the Boston Globe wrote a whole story on it uh, or Boston.com, whatever. Yeah, Chad uh, Finn. Yeah, Chad Finn, in which they didn't, I read it and I'm 99% sure they didn't reference the name Cam Newton in there anywhere, which is probably intentional because as a writer, he knows if I put Cam Newton, it undercuts my own argument. So right. for him. Um, but Joe Kennedy, and it's, it's a popular idea. I, I mean, I think our show, various shows, we've even done polls and hours yep. on it. Yep. I just, it, to me, it makes no sense on any level. And I'll be writing that simple point on Friday morning at WEI.com. Uh, Bill Belichick in the news again with sort of politics stuff we've had varying columns over the last week or so. People want Bill to come out and talk about his politics. People don't think, like yourself, don't think he needs to. I'm sort of with you. I don't think he needs to. It goes against everything that he's been for the last however many years as an NFL coach. He doesn't address these things. Like, that's not the way he does things. And I don't think he wins either way if he comes up and says one way or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. For his purposes, I mean, I think – he clearly has taken steps in that direction in his locker room, in his, well, in his Zoom meeting locker room. Yep. Um, he, he brought in apparently the ACLU leader or whatever to talk to the done team. before Breer said he talked to rookies last year, so it's not right. like a random thing. Right. So, and, and they do all those things in the, sort of in the background over the years. And, you know, not that this is the be-all, end-all, but we've seen that Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater and these people are are pretty happy or, or content with the way Bill has been handling it. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because they still play for him and they're, you know, in yeah, a way. Like in the same it kind of does because they're very outspoken on the topic. And if they had an issue, then they might not say it directly, but they wouldn't be praising Bill if they felt otherwise. Right, right. So the fact that they are content with it should tell us outsiders, in my opinion, something. Because um, they are still a football team. They are, right. you know. I would use that argument not only for this, they're a football team that needs to try to win games, but I would use the same thing on the Colin Kaepernick argument. Unless I'm wrong, the Patriots are still a business and a football team. Their job is to make money and win football games, not appease the masses and sign Colin Kaepernick or appease the masses and make you know political statements from Bill Belichick because, well, you should. He's powerful. People would care. Well, great. There's a lot of people who are powerful and they care. I, right. I personally don't care. I'm not real big on... Every celebrity has to come out and make a statement. Even every like organization has had to issue a statement, put out a yeah, release. I'm, I'm with you. I don't. I don't really agree. Like, I understand why it's happening, but I don't think it's necessary. Like I don't understand the people that are so upset that you know ex professional team hasn't issued a statement yet. Like that's not their job. And and where does it end? Like I, I've used this sort of mockingly, but you know if the Patriots issue a statement and then Belichick issues a statement, does that mean like? Josh McDaniels and Jarrett Stidham are like next, right. you know, whatever the next hierarchy rung right. is. 
issue a statement. And one of the lines in my column that really got a couple people on Twitter pissed off was that I said, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to or even should. And my point is, if Bill Belichick doesn't want to be an advocate, a social activist, you know, it's great that uh, Popovich and Steve Kerr and those guys do want to be that. But in my opinion, if you aren't that guy and you're ill-suited for it, it won't end well. Like, you, right. you if you're not impassioned by it, if you're not educated enough about it, then it won't end well. And or what if you're just not that person? What if you just don't want to be that, that you're uncomfortable in those situations? Like that's right. a part of that. Like, you, yeah, I don't, I've never. You should be knocked for not doing it. Correct. Like Michael Jordan was ripped for years for not really being proactive and using his platform. And, you know, we're now in a, in a time and in a society where, you know, if you're silent, you're basically a racist. Like if you don't protest and you like, yeah. you're allowing for it, you can't stay silent. And I, I mean, I appreciate the effort and the, the idea behind that, but I just think if in anything, I'm not just saying like racial, what, like, let's boil it down to an overly simplistic. I think lots of football teams have leaders that don't open their mouth that, you know, like a James Devlin. Yeah. Just they lead by example, do his job, whatever. Right. And that's fine. You know, what's also fine. The guy that does say a lot, you know, Ray Lewis, that is always going to be saying something and getting the team. There's two ends. You know, they're going for the same goal and there's two very different styles and they both have huge value. And, you know, for the Patriots, I think Robert Kraft is more of a social activist than Bill Belichick. And in the same way that, you know, Devin McCourty is more of a social activist than Tom Brady or, or whatever. And I just, and that doesn't mean to me that Tom Brady doesn't care or it's just feels differently. It's just, that's just the way that life is to be who you are. And, 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 you know, it would not stun me if we find out years from now, how much Bill Belichick's been doing in the background this week, this month, this year on this issue. And because of his history in Cleveland and with uh, Jim Brown and, you know, with gangs and prisons and the things he's done there. So this whole, uh, and it's such a complex issue that really bothers me. Like politics now have to be so out there. You have to tweet your politics. You have to let everybody know. And I've said this a lot this week, discussing this on the radio. I grew up in a household where my mother would not tell anybody who she voted for. She wouldn't tell me. She would like, it was a thing. Like that was supposedly like, between you and your ballot. Well, yeah, and, I kind of remember, like, that was almost, maybe I was, like, younger, but I feel like that was a thing, like, your politics were private in a way. Yeah, now it's not. Now you, right. if you're keeping them private, it's almost like you're hiding something. Oh, right. if you're quiet, that means you're a racist Trump supporter. Or if you're quiet, you're against this. You're a homophobic. You don't like this. Like, well, no, maybe I'm just quiet and don't want to shit. And the other thing is, Literally and figuratively, it's a it's all black and white now. You're on one side of a line or the other. Yep. You're a Democrat or Republican. You're a racist or you're a uh, protester. Like, and I I don't know. I just don't see things quite as black and white as that. But that's okay. And Bill Belichick can do in my mind whatever the hell Bill Belichick wants, and I'm okay with it. I mean, he did. We should mention he did have that nice uh, video message for Devin McCourty when Devin was on. Was it Boston um, uncovered? uncovered? Cornered. Uncornered. Yep um real i thought that was a i mean he was reading from a script but that was a pretty good open heartfelt statement from bill basically talking about devin not only as a football player but as a person and just how he's grown since he drafted him in the first round and 
he's what do you say there's no he's the ultimate role model I thought that line stood out that's a that's means a lot coming from Bill and I agree because Devin McCourty has been really um capable of being sort of a uh an amoeba with the way he leads whether it's in politics, on the like on the field, in the locker room, you know, I've called him before. Suits on the ground, the things they've gone after in the state of Massachusetts in terms of legislation and social activism, mm-hmm. and you know, I thought Bill rightly pointed out the leadership that McCordy has shown in that area, and I thought it was important. People, Bill said he's going to do more. He wants to do more. Yep. That doesn't mean he's going to tell you what he is going to do and what he thinks. You can do more without saying more. And again, I'm okay with that. Do more. You know, I keep going back to the Hamilton thing is, um, what, what's the song? Say less, smile more or something. And it's like, just stay in the background. You don't have to tell everybody everything you're thinking. But if you're working in a way that's positive to the goals and, you know, I, I just think that's okay. But yeah, the, and that was, you know, Brady had a thing where he said he learned more from McCordy than McCordy learned from him. Yeah. And so... I, that was really nice because I do. I love Devin McCourty. I like he called out Drew Brees, but he handled it. I thought overall in a very professional, productive manner. That's my thing, like he, there, he's getting his point across strongly, but it's professionally done. It's just the way that you would want it to be done in these emotional times. He's right. been able to keep his cool in a sense and keep it professional and productive. Yes, like I don't think he gets dismissed in the way that some might, and I'm not saying it's fair or not that we dismiss these people, but I think some people are so aggressive or agitated, they get dismissed, and maybe that's counterproductive to their cause, where I think Devin McCourty is, is very productive for his cause. Um, and I think he's worthy of being honored in, in a lot of ways. Uh, you, so you are still rolling out your positional previews. Football? We're talking football? Yeah, this is going to be the football portion of this podcast. Uh, it is a football podcast after all. True. You, uh, what'd you do this week? Tight ends, wide receivers, offensive line. Uh, yep. And defensive line I'm rolling out today. So let's, uh, I think we talked tight ends already a little bit wide receivers. We've talked about a lot just because of, I think it's one of the focal points of the team because of what we talked about earlier, the young guys, you know, life after Brady for the young, excuse me, young guys. Is that a good thing? Life after Brady for Julian Edelman. Is that a good thing? We had you know, comments from an unnamed player to Mike Giardi saying that, you know, Edelman already has, quote, the red ass, um, which I don't know that I totally understand, but to prove people wrong, his ass is chapped and right. he hears the doubters and he should. He I mean, should yeah, hear the doubters. But that's what he's been motivated on his entire career, going back to when he was a college quarterback and no one really wanted him in the NFL. Like, that's just – Yep. And you know what I get back to? What do you get back Other to? My, some of my uh, catchphrases, the truth is never mean, not appropriate here. It's not a want to, it's a can't. Right. I think he wants to prove everybody wrong this year. I think he wants to show that he can go out and catch 100 balls for 1,100 yards with Jarrett Stidham as the quarterback, and they can win football games. We'll see. And the whole team can have that mindset, too. Like, Bill can say yep. he can win without Brady. Uh, yep. Joshua Daniels can say that he can run an offense without yep. Brady. And I think that that's something that they'll all – sort of rally behind and I think you know I think Giardi had the same thing that they're all rallying behind life without Brady and I don't think he's wrong at all I think that is going to be one of the the themes this year for everybody involved that's right and as I said they might be scrappy but if they drop the S they'll be crappy so I, I 
I think they're going to be motivated. I think Belichick will push the buttons motivationally. I think the captains and the leaders, it started, you know, from, I want to say Slater. It was either Slater or McCourty where they started the whole thing. Like, we're not going to run from Tom Brady's legacy, and it's important for us to acknowledge how important he's been. But now we got to have the same goals and a different path to get those goals, basically. Right. And we can't use Brady as an excuse. we got to find a way to win. And I think they will try to do that. We'll see if they're successful, just like Edelman. Like, I think he'll be greatly motivated. And I think – but beyond the fact that Brady's gone, he's 34 years old. That's not a good age for a slot receiver. Right. It just isn't. With the guy that takes as many hits he does, and right. he's he's literally one hit away from being right. who knows what. So we're going to go into a season where he's going to get more attention from opposing defenses. He's older, and he has a question mark at quarterback. So his numbers could probably should go down. I think it's unfair to expect oh, him totally. to roll out of bed and catch 100 balls. But will it be because he's lost a step? Will it be because he gets more attention? Or will it be because the quarterback isn't as good? And I'm not sure we're going to be able to definitively – it's like Brady last year. Why were Brady's numbers down? Why was Brady not as good? Well, it depends who you ask. Is it the offensive line? Is it the weapons? Is he getting older? Is he afraid? Yeah. Is he sulking? Is he looking ahead towards free agency and trying to stay healthy and blah, blah, blah? But, like, there's a million answers. Um, and I think that's what Edelman's going to face. And then, like Brady – He'll face the how, – how does he emotionally handle that? But um, the rest of the wide receiver position is one – uh, Did you hear Chris Sims this week? Um, he, he really likes Demir Bird and Mark Heasley. He, right. he thinks they, they could be the impact players. I, right. I mean, maybe one of them is, but I, I don't see a scenario where, like, both players make the roster and are huge impacts. No. I, to me, those are the typical – um, off season, off season, hope it works out. Right. And you say, if it works, he's a third slash fourth receiver. If it doesn't, he's cut in mid August and we forget the name. Like, which has happened quite a lot the last couple of summers. Reese Harris was going to be a star, right? Right. I bought in in early in training camp. He was catching everything. Jordan was Jordan Matthews. Even for that, Jordan Matthews. there's a million of these guys and most of them don't work out. Kenny Britt. Yeah. Most of them don't work out at all. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, Bird, I think, has a better chance than Lee because the injuries with Lee. Right. But Bird's fast and healthy, and that's good for him. So even if he somehow just takes over, like, the, the Gunnar Olszewski roster spot, maybe that's where he slides in, get a couple catches, make a couple plays right. on that. Um, Lee has the better resume, second-round pick, a bunch of – Yeah, know, but he's also played, like, no games the last two years. Right. Like, you know, I'll wait for people to tell me that's actually a good thing. There's no wear and tear on his body the last couple of years. Blah, sure, blah, blah, yeah, blah. That, that's coming. The, the propaganda machine. Um, but it won't stun me if one of those guys makes the team and has a role because they don't. So we have Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, locks to make the team and start whatever you want to call them. Then next in line, you have Jacoby Myers. Probably. Then you have. Lee and Bird? You got Sanu, right? Oh, yeah, Sanu. Even though I think Sanu could get cut when he gets healthy. but Well, well he is out. healthy. He's catching punts over his house. Yeah, I know. We'll, uh, it, it wouldn't stun me if he gets cut. Now, it'll be a big story, but he's probably too old, too. He's too much of a veteran. You know, he, Stidham won't be able to work with him. You know? True. I mean, all, be... young, all young guys, can, except for Edelman. Everybody can rally around Edelman. Right. Um, but they have major questions on the depth chart. Yeah, you're right. If – 
if Sanu hits the upside of his if, so then it's Edelman, Sanu, Harry. But after that, it's all question marks. Jacoby Myers, undrafted, nice rookie season. See if he can build on it. Had the rapport with Stidham during the preseason. Maybe he grabs that. Then you get down to one more spot between, you know, Bird, Lee, Will Hastings, or yep. one of these. There's a bunch of the undrafted, undrafted guys. Um, but you also know somebody's getting hurt. That whole group won't make oh. it. So, especially with Sanu coming off an injury, Edelman coming off an injury-riddled season, and um, Marquise Lee having been injured the last few years, somebody in that group's going to get hurt or cut or whatever. So, there's not a ton of depth there, and there's a lot of questions even with the guys you do have. Right. Uh, we already touched a little bit on the offensive line, but sort of – I think we, we mentioned off-air the other day. Like it's, it's Jermaine Illuminor and uh, James France are no longer – they're not on the team. So, like, you really no, don't have – no, no, Newhouse. Newhouse, sorry. More is. You don't, really I don't, I don't. Have, you don't have the depth that I think you want you to. You may have the depth if um, Yadni Kajust and that's, uh, um, Proholt can play. They're two mid-round picks, didn't do anything, been in the system a year. That's your depth. Mid-round picks, like Joe Tooney's a mid-round pick. Shaq Mason's a mid-round pick. So if those guys step into the, the backup roles – I think you're feeling pretty good about Froholt is your interior backup. Yeah. Kajus, your outside backup. Now, you do have um, Illuminor, but as I wrote in the preview, he's like 2.2 million RFA tender. There's no way he plays on that, in my opinion. Uh -huh. he either, either they want him and they do like a three-year deal at lower cap numbers, or he's cut sometime in training camp to get that number off the books. And then um, Corey Cunningham – was around last year. So I don't, I mean, they may like him. They may not, I don't really know. Right. And then who they like may be different because obviously Dante Scarnecchia, you know, was the guy and now Brasillo, Carmen Brasillo or Cole Popovich taking over, you know, how do they feel about guys, but also Newhouse and Ferenc are out there. So there's no saying you couldn't sign one of those guys right before camp. Right. Um, but you're right. They, like they're very set with their top five. Theoretically, like yeah. I also left the room for could Joe Tooney still be traded? Maybe I would never awesome. rule it out. Could Marcus Cannon be a, a cup a cut to save money? I wouldn't awesome. rule it out if they think he's washed up and done. Um, but it looks like they're starting. It looks like their starting five is set, and then you say lots of questions and and battles for those back. Another guys. position they have the bodies. They just don't. You just don't know what those bodies are. And then you also have, and I am not going to pretend that I'm totally up to date on these the new rules about offensive linemen and practice squad and call-ups and game days. Yeah, isn't it, don't you need to have eight active linemen? I'm going to have to do a little research on the old CBA. I believe you have – I think it was like you have to have eight active offensive linemen. And that counts or, – or those – aren't those two guys, though? Like, that's where the roster – no one even really knows. I asked these people – I asked Giardi, can you check with the league and – is it still a 53-man roster or is it a 55-man roster? Right, right. And he wasn't really sure. So, I'm sorry. I do not have the answer to that. Oh, that's, a, that's a good point. Could, those, could that extra lineman come from the practice squad? Right. So, you know, would that be, you know, they have a plenty because they have three late-round picks from this year, Froholt right. and Kajust from last year. Right. You know, you've got five guys right Those there. guys, yeah. Yeah, five guys that have never put a helmet on for an NFL game. But you might like to develop. I told you the – it looks like Heron, but I think it's Heron, Heron kid from uh, Wake Forest yep. who 
three tries, by the way. Emails, phone calls, never an effing reply to any of it. Screw Wake Forest. I was going to say, Wake Forest, down on the power rankings in the ACC. Demon deacons my ass, demon douchebags. Just call me and say you're not going to talk about him. Like, right. Or send me a yeah. Don't think we're going to be able to do it. Sorry. Good luck in the future. Right. Very simple. But unless you're all dead, I don't care about coronavirus because everybody has a computer and email. Everybody's working. Yep. Yeah. Screw you, Demon Deacons. Hope you lose every game you play moving forward. Uh, so, wrapping up, Patriots are done with their offseason, uh, virtual offseason. Veterans are all done. Rookies still doing virtual meetings. Coaches don't need to report to Gillette Stadium until training camp. Um, so basically they're kind of in their summer break right now for the next month. Yeah. Bill will be on Nantucket. Nick will be on Nantucket. The whole, well, I don't think Bill ever left. Nantucket. I don't believe he did either, <laughs> which good for him. Right. I mean, what do you need to come back for weird world? We should get into that just real quick. Um, I think it's going to be an absolute pardon my French shit show when 90 players and, totally. players and ball boys show up. And I said this and I'm not kidding. You know how um, college football, they have, like, the compliance officer that, like, has to oversee recruiting. I think there's going to have to be, like, one to two people that are, like, coronavirus compliance, like, new hires. Like, Well, don't you need to have a coronavirus, like, expert on your team, but most of it was just, like, the head trainer? You do, but I'm not talking about that. Like like an independent person, like the concussion thing? No, like, like a traffic cop. Like, yeah. Count the people, make sure there's 15 people in a room and make sure that, you know, um, Josh McDaniels doesn't let one group out at the same time Ivan Fears does. So suddenly there's 30 guys in the hall. You've seen when team meetings let out and it's like just the rush of people, the wave of people. So I think there's going to be serious like learning curve and maybe that'll be part of why they're talking about getting rid of the two games because there's going to be even, forget about football and practice and workouts, like Am I allowed to go in the hallway now? Do I have my mask on? Does everybody have a mask on? Like, is my meeting inside or is it outside? Is it going right. to be on, the, on the back hill or in the meeting room? Like, where the hell are the lockers? Because I was, I continue to say, correct me if I'm wrong here. So you've been in the locker room many times, like I have. There's room for somewhere in the range of sixty people with practice squad and players during the regular season with the traditional lockers. Yes. The lockers, in my mind, are. Three and a half feet wide, right? Probably, yeah. So to be six feet apart, we're only using every third locker, not even every other locker. Because right. that would only leave you like three and a half feet between. Right. So every third locker, if we divide 65 lockers by three, that's like 23 lockers we're using. Yeah, you could, I would probably say you could probably get 30. Because you get a factor, and some people get two veterans have two lockers. Those sometimes the added ones don't get used. Okay. Even if you get 30, now you get 60 other people that also need lockers that are six feet apart. And I know you referenced maybe they can use the Revs locker room. Not that big. I know, but you could put, I don't know, 15 guys in there. I feel, Oh, no. I bet like 10 at the max. Maybe. All right. Then you can use the visitor's locker room. Okay. Like, I just think it's good. That part's going to be a shit show, too. You could have guys just in the tunnel changing. In the tunnel at Gillette Stadium. Maybe some guys want that. Maybe some guys don't even want to change there. Or they might have to put, like, tents, like those white tents out in the field or on the the plaza, and, like, some guys will have lockers and changing in there. But that's a long walk to the shower and a little white towel if you're, like, out on the field. Well, can you even shower there? Because I think basketball and baseball, you can't even shower at the facility. Which I still don't understand. Wash your hands nonstop, but don't shower. Right. Like, 
And the more and more I think about this, there's no chance us in the media is there for uh, training camp. No way. I'm fine with that. I like staying home. <laughs> but, like, in, in theory, you could be because there's no fans. You could easily you just, like, spread out over the course of the field. But it's just another layer of people that you have to sort of screen and right. keep an eye on. And it's not I, worth it. Right, exactly. For them. It's not worth it to them at all because, you know, I know, like – I'm probably a cynic and probably downplay these things more than I should, but we're now seeing spikes in hospitalizations in Arizona and the Carolinas and Texas and Florida. Like, so if you are worried still about it and you, you can't afford to have your team get sick, why am I going to let Ryan Hannibal interact with anybody? Like, there's no point. He can zoom. Right. Like, right. It's a convenient so, excuse. Yeah. I, so I don't, I think there's a good chance we won't be there at all, at least not until maybe games regular yeah, season maybe they I, I, don't, I don't know maybe they work something out that we can go but have to use a back entrance and don't get to interview anybody i don't i don't know and why are we going like I, I don't know i'd like to go and actually see jared Stidham so we can actually talk about something right but yeah i i think there's a chance and even i say regular season i can't see the media workroom being used on a wednesday for no. it's too many people so yeah. Even if they bring us there, it'd have to be like an outdoor press conference, well-spaced, like. And, it, maybe it, it, like it, and if that's the case, just use Zoom. Yeah. That's why I'm really dubious of us going back. Plus, it won't be me. I'm just going to say it flat out. My guess is even if they do it, it's one per outlet. Well, I was actually just going to say, I right? think the Pro Football Writers Association noted a couple of weeks ago that the, one of the European soccer leagues did one person per outlet. And that's. I bet that's the route that they go. Good and, luck, Ryan. and I think that they'll probably, I don't know if, how they would do this, but they could cut down on the number of outlets there. Like, right. The Patriots are already pretty strict, but like the days of like random blogs coming to games are over. Yeah. I think um, good luck, Ryan, and your coverage of the team when you're there. And you're right. They could probably cut down, especially um, like pool video. Like n instead of having, 22 cameras from all these stations all over New England. Oh, yeah. You just get one pool thing. Right. And, and hold a press conference with – and maybe it rotates. Maybe, you know, Channel 4 gets to go one week, Channel 5, Channel 7, whatever, the next week. And then, you know, have your core of beat writers, one per website, one per paper, whatever. Right. And the rest of us will hang out at home and work off transcripts and Zoom well, calls. Then we do a radio show, probably post-game and pre-game easy then i'm then i'm not writing at all if i'm doing both of those then really good luck ryan it's been fun uh all right we'll uh come back next week probably with uh hopefully um, stuff comes up as it did this week there's always yep. random stuff that comes up and if not we can bs about other stuff because you know what the baseball signups tonight wow so next week should have tryouts and a roster we'll see where that goes i'm dubious of that as well but uh we'll see all right, have a, good, uh, have a good week. All right, peace out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 